0: Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff to spice up the bedroom is even better. Whether you're buying a gift for your sugar baby or just for yourself, you can get 50% off at adamandeve.com when you enter the code CANDY at checkout.
1: And that's not all. Adam and Eve will include 10 tantalizing free gifts, a sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item all partners can enjoy. Plus, you'll receive six free spicy movies.
0: But the best part is the free shipping.
1: You can get all of this at adamandeve.com using code CANDY at checkout.
0: That's C A N D Y.
1: So, Shelby, what are you getting me?
0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Candy Girl. I'm your host, Shelby. And I'm your co host, Emily. And today we have two design students who are coming to talk to us about a product that they're designing
2: for a class. Um, do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Sure. I'm Brittany Scaliardich,
3: um, and I'm a student at the Austin Center for Design. And I'm Leah DeVito, and I'm also a student at the Austin Center for Design. So tell us about your project. What are you guys working on?
2: Um, so I guess before we jump into our project, I'll tell you a little bit about the school itself. Mm-hmm. Um so the Austin Center for Design is a pretty small, like graduate program, and uh, students get a certificate in design strategy and social innovation. So it's like a design-focused school, um, interaction design-focused school, but they focus uh, primarily on humanitarian problems. So a lot of our research projects and design projects have been um, with different non-partnered like with different nonprofits um, and looking into ways we can apply design to social good.
3: Yeah, so we do this methodology where we go out, and a large part of what design research is and what human-centered design is is that it's based in real insights that come from real stories of real people. So a lot of the research we've done for this project and other projects comes from talking to a lot of different people and getting their real experiences in order to have all of our research and things that we put out into the world be based in that um, that concrete data that's coming from real individuals. Um, and I think we both were as designers coming in, we're, neither of us are from Texas, um, we decided to move here for this particular program um, because of this innovation aspect of the program and wanting to be impactful in social spaces. Would you, would you agree? I, I would agree. <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: So I guess let's get into the specific social space that you've decided to disrupt. I'm in tech, so every single time I hear yeah. innovation, I'm like, let's disrupt. Like,
0: <laughs>
1: any word can be put after that <gasps> sentence. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, so you guys are working on a
0: project. You're trying to design a a product for sex workers, correct? Yes. And um, first of all, like, why, I guess? Yeah,
3: Yeah, so this is our capstone project. And so we were originally prompted by a, we have a, our school was doing a partnership with a local nonprofit that was focusing on financial inclusion spaces. And so we, as different groups, got to choose what we wanted to focus on. And particularly in targeting or just, you know, working with and for populations that are financially marginalized. And so Brittany and I were both really interested in this space, um, given that we were originally just going to be talking to strippers, and it kind of became more broad after that. Um, But because strippers have this really um, visceral, interesting relationship with physical cash, at the same time that they are being marginalized from traditional society because they're profession is heavily stigmatized in, like, you know, in pop culture, in regular culture, norm culture, vanilla culture. Really
1: everywhere. Right, everywhere.
3: So, but in terms of thinking about it from a financial aspect and, like, from who's actually being excluded from the systems, it's, like, strippers, it's huge. And then from there, when we started digging into that research, we started talking to people. We found out that, like, a lot of these professions kind of overlap with each other in sex work. And so we branched out. We kind of uh, blew out our who we were talking to and opened it up to more just general sex work, sugar babying, um, webcamming, um, escorting. Is there any other creative other creative avenues? There's so many different kinds of sex work yeah, we realized. So many. Yeah. And so um we found out that there's so many more interesting stories that and struggles that happen within that realm that are not just related to financial mm-hmm. problems. I don't know if you want to speak to that anymore.
2: We were really interested in the role that sexuality ha- uh, plays in and receiving an income, especially for women, female-identifying workers. Um, so we want to dig deeper into kind of the nuance that goes on there, and like taking a step back, sex work is probably the oldest profession in history. Yes, um, I've heard that so many times here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It it truly is, and there's the thing that people don't necessarily look at are there have been people doing this work. Not only is it the oldest profession, but this is like the oldest source of like workers. And I feel like that goes overlook the fact that there are human beings doing this work every day since like the beginning of time. Um, so even that in itself is so critical that there's this mass group of people who are doing this type of work and there's not a lot of products and services that exist to support them in that work, whether or not like – society may agree or disagree with it. Like, this exists, and we need to support human beings who are doing this every day. Um, so for us, a big part of it was, um, one, the financial inclusion piece, like how uh, can human beings be better supported as they do this work and, like, try to, um, like, have a good, um, uh, like, have a have a decent, like, living wage, um, but also other ways to support them in like just doing this work in and out. So that's kind of extended itself into community support and um, health and wellness and safety and medical. So there's all these different ways to actually create like supportive systems and, and tools to help people doing this stuff.
3: And Especially because, as you know, and I'm sure, and I've heard you talk on the podcast about it, that this is, like, such a hot topic in popular culture right now as well. Like, it's all kind of coming to a head. So, while it's, like, the oldest profession, we also have this moment that's happening in, in you know, women's rights. Uh, women are having a moment in the United States. And... Also with things like Hustlers coming out, um, you know, this is becoming something that's like more in the public eye. And as we know, like recent laws being passed that are kind of making this something that is really relevant to the time. So we wanted to work on a project too that is really important to us, important to impactful for people and something that needs to be focused on now.
2: Yeah, there's a conversation starting and we want to be a part of it. Yeah, it's so whack that it's, you know,
1: taken laws this t- this long to be formed when Let's be honest, half of Congress probably has a dominatrix. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With some of those decisions, I would want to be whipped for them too. <laughs> Anyways,
0: um so what's what is the product that you guys are trying to build?
3: So the the product is um it's called Poppy. Um and it's basically going to be or it's in its blue sky format meaning like the idealized version of it would be a peer-to-peer resourced uh, platform, online platform, where sex workers would be able to chat with each other. They would be able to exchange information, and in the most blown-out version of it, be able to exchange um, homemade products between each other. Like a lot, we found that a lot of people like make their own clothes, make their own sho- shoes, things like that. So. But the idea behind it would be able to create this like safe space where they would be have this, an exclusive online space to exchange all this information. That being said, we're in the process of that where we're we've been prototyping it, but we haven't launched anything and there are a lot of reasons for that. Um, and learning a a lot about the legal spaces that this that makes something makes launching a product like this, Difficult, yeah. Um, but that is that would be the goal. Like the goal for the product is to create this exclusive online space that people could chat. That's those things get shut down a lot. Right. So <laughs> yeah, and kind
2: of the way we're envisioning it, um, we see places online right now, like Reddit, for example. There's a sub subreddit that, that's sex workers only, um, where people can uh, kind of share stories and seek advice. Um, but a lot of that oftentimes is getting censored and shut down, and is also under the eye of like the gazing public where for us we want to create something that's kind of making space on the internet for um, female-identifying and non-binary sex workers um, where it is invite-only, and it is a platform where they can feel like they can share stories, seek out advice, find medical or safety tips. Because um, if you do a quick scan on any of those subreddits, you see that people are directly telling about good and bad experiences and gaining that peer support from people who actually get it. Um, so for us, that's really a goal of ours is to, like, harm reduce, create, like, less opportunity for isolation and, like, allow women and to just share and connect because that's really what makes community strong. So that is the goal. But to Leah's point, um, even in our prototyping phase, we've come across a lot of, legal hurdles that we didn't necessarily anticipate, especially at this small scale, just like kind of validating that this might be something people actually want. Um, so, yeah, we are learning a lot about the legal landscape, and it's really eye-opening for us.
0: Yeah, we talked to a sex worker earlier who she used to get all of her clientele through Backpage, but now that Backpage is shut down, she's struggling to find clients and she just moved from the west coast to texas so it's even more difficult because now she has to start all over um but yeah this sounds like it would be a good space for people to you know share information
3: Um, yeah
1: i guess i kind of have two questions first one's quick uh where did the name poppy come from
3: (laughs) i don't know if we have like honestly i don't know if we have a great answer to that originally (laughs) so originally we had a different name which was pink matter which was inspired by a Frank Ocean song. Oh, <laughs> yes. I fucking love that song. <laughs> but we realized based on feedback we got from different people that we presented the like the original storyboard to that that name wasn't going to work for everybody because it felt too Gender um, yeah, too and, gendered.
2: Yeah,
1: it, okay. I can see that.
3: Yeah, so we decided to switch it. We wanted to keep it, like, soft and welcoming but not be, like, overly gendered, overly girly, honestly. And there's something a little bit, um, like, you know, a poppy is, like, a beautiful flower that also, like, can have a little twinge of something sinister. So, like, maybe it's not, like, bad, you know, because obviously sex work is not bad, but it's, like, a beautiful thing. I don't know.
0: A little sexy, a little Yes, you sexy, can get addicted to it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: Um, I guess another like kind of question that I had I guess it's more of a clarification so the product or platform that you're trying to develop is not for sex workers to find clients but rather a community of sex workers to exchange information with each other yeah I guess I'm kind of wondering to put it blatantly how is it illegal to have people share their sex work experiences because it's not like it's soliciting
2: sure mm-hmm. sex I guess that's kind of yeah that's kind of a lot of what we've been trying to navigate. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how familiar y'all are with FOSTA CESTA, this FOSTA-SESTA the Fight Online Sex Trafficking um, and like Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act. We're not. Not
1: not at all. Okay.
2: <laughs>
3: this is definitely important stuff. Yeah. This is, this is <laughs> like like, <laughs> like there
1: are so many important issues that I just need to know about, yeah. and I don't. <laughs> so please educate us and our listeners.
2: Absolutely. Sure. So there is a Safe Harbors Act, um, which it's in the Communications Decency Act, uh, like not to throw like uh, different titles out there, um, but basically what it does is that it allows like digital platforms, um, it makes them it removes their liability for whatever users post on their platforms. So like if somebody posts a legal activity on like Facebook, for example, Facebook is not criminally oh, liable. Oh, that's how they haven't gotten sued yet. Right. Okay. Yeah,
3: Under the Communications Decency Act that was instated previously, it's like the safe harbor of the internet. It's what basically keeps us all able to have our own freedom of speech on the internet, right? Really important law. Sick, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> fuck with and it. also with But also allows maybe Facebook to like... Do some yeah, it basically. Re- re- <laughs> ah,
2: anyways, it makes like it basically makes those platforms, those digital platforms, immune from whatever their users post, so they don't have to necessarily censor as much as they might have. Um, but with the FOSTA-SESTA bills, what that does, it basically amends Section two hundred and thirty. It says that now, if there's any suspicion of a user posting content that maybe facilitates, supports, or assists assists sex trafficking, but also sex work in general. Um, that now that platform is liable. So there's been a lot of like Backpage got removed, um, the erotic services section in Craigslist got taken down, all these different platforms like Tumblr and Instagram and, and Reddit are much more acutely aware and like censoring their users. Um, so the thing is, they're trying to target like advertising and things of that nature, but what that also does is that it removes and censors peer-to-peer communication of people just sharing stories because now those platforms are fearful that they could be seen as kind of recklessly um, like ignoring that they're partaking in like promoting that type of work. So that's something that we're learning that even just peer-to-peer communication is like under scrutiny and could um, – there's numbers out like 20 years in prison – for people who are just facilitating, even if to, even without their knowledge, if you're recklessly facilitating, you can face up to 20. 20 years is kind of the number we've been hearing quite often. Oh, my God. Bro,
1: what if we go to jail?
2: <laughs> Good. <laughs>
1: also, so um, first off, that's bullshit. So let me get this straight because, again, I'm like just hearing about this topic. Uh, and I just want to make sure, like, before I go off, <laughs> that I have all the facts straight. So they have this freedom of speech thing, except when it applies to anything with sex work.
3: Um, sex trafficking. Sex but, trafficking. Right. So this was signed in, those bills were signed into law in 2018. So to try to attack, like, the sex trafficking problems, like, online. But it rippled out into sex work online. Because all of a sudden, consensual sex workers are also inadvertently having their resources being removed. So basically Backpage did accidentally, or maybe not accidentally, whatever, facilitate some sex trafficking. So when Backpage got taken down, um, all of those consensual sex workers that were working on that platform lost their entire network. And it put a lot of people out back literally on the street, where before they were in charge of their own livelihood, their own business, it took a lot of safety away from them and autonomy away from them as like, you know, having control over their own self and their business where now they have no network. They don't have a way to communicate with each other. So
1: again, with this law, are other things also like do other, I guess, do other illegal things also face the same scrutiny? Because I feel like, you know, when we're talking about sex trafficking and sex work, that's uh, just from my opinion, I feel like there are a lot more female-identifying sex workers than male-identifying sex workers. But I know there are a lot of things that are illegal. So, mm-hmm. like, is is it the same case for drugs?
3: I couldn't. I could not um, say that with a hundred percent certainty. I know that, like, I mean, the Silk Road was a platform that operated really similarly in terms right. of like that got taken down, but the law, I know that the laws they wrote in literally have the name sex trafficking in the, so. it. Just, it
1: just feels like they're targeting women when there's a lot of illegal shit that goes on. Yeah. the Like, of all the illegal shit, they're not even letting people get laid. And honestly, that's not very cash money <laughs> of the government, especially when, like... Politicians use sex workers. Yeah. Newsflash,
2: and I would argue that like the most marginalized sex workers are trans and women of color. Oh, and definitely, they're being pushed even more deeply into the margins with these types of bills, and it's just like really troubling for us to to learn more about the landscape of this issue. Um, there yeah. are so many illegal things going
1: on, and that's the one. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, I like I definitely really? agree with you.
3: It's like it's really frustrating. I think we came off of. Um, some of the research and some of the people we've talked to recently feeling really sad about that because it's just, it feels, to me personally, like it feels very, like a non-consequential thing. Like consensual sex work feels like a thing that, yeah, like everybody everybody partakes in sex work in one way or another. Like everybody watches porn, okay? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so when there are some terrible things going on, it feels weird to have this and, and it's depressing to have this be so much under scrutiny and, um, yeah.
2: And like a <sighs> very interesting, like, um, statistic that we came across, like, in some of our research and granted some of the things we're saying, we're still trying to understand and explore ourselves. So we'd welcome any feedback from your listeners around like their insights. Um, but something we have found was that, uh, with the introduction of, Things like backpage, actually the erotic services section of Craigslist, when that is introduced, when that was introduced into any city, on average, the total homicide rate, um, total female homicide rate in those cities, went not just down. sex
3: workers, females, yeah, it went down by. Do you remember how much? I think like it was insane. Twenty percent. Yeah, it was like an insane number. Just the fact it went
2: down. Like, or not just sex workers, but total but female for female homicide. So clearly, this work is having an impact on like society and female homicide rate, like throughout different cities. Um, and actually, we've found that sex work is the most dangerous profession for women um, in the U.S. with like a homicide rate of. I think 200 per 100,000 people. And the second most dangerous job is like a is a liquor uh, liquor store cashier. And the difference is four per 100,000 people.
0: Yeah, I did. I had read that before. Yeah. Or maybe you guys told that to us. But I remember hearing about that, which is absolutely insane.
2: (laughs) So so like those digital tools that can help screen clients are so important. But not only for us, we're not necessarily focusing on client screening. We're focusing on people being able to share information, seek out advice, like exchange stories. Um, Yeah, I guess. So
1: I think I asked earlier, or I don't know if I did, but kind of the legal hurdles are you can't accidentally promote sex trafficking. But but at the same time, you're not trying to, I guess, like, it's not for trafficked women. It's for women who, well, I guess female identifying people Mm -hmm. who – I just, I cannot believe that there's this many legal barriers. Yeah. And, like, and I don't know why I'm surprised, but I am. Right.
3: <laughs> yeah. I think that's kind of how we felt the whole way is like, oh, maybe, maybe we're wrong. Mm-hmm. But then we've kind of just had a lot of things confirmed that the way that these are written, these laws are written are so really broad. Ambiguous. Very ambiguous, very broad. So even if it's not like, oh, I'm not starting a sex trafficking website It's like, just because it's adjacent to the industry, there's a lot of, um, like, people can go after you for whatever they want, basically. Um,
2: The line is really unclear, and so we're realizing that content moderate, like, the, the few ways that platforms can try to create space and reduce their, like, legal risks is, like, through kind of terms of service and moderating what people say. But there's so much like gray area as to what kind of content is facilitating, assisting, or promoting. And yeah, it doesn't. What we're realizing that it's not just directly sex trafficking adjacent or anything just sex trafficking related. It, it does seem to ripple out into all types of sex work. So that was a surprise to me, and I'm still trying to understand like the landscape. But we've we have talked to some lawyers, and it does seem like kind of anything that promotes like different forms of sex work or primarily prostitution, it's been like an uphill battle to kind of draw the line as to what kind of content we can allow and what kind of content we need to take down. And the whole point is to create a kind of an inclusive like place to share information and feel like there's less censorship than you've encountered on other platforms. And it, it seems like that um, might be a, a struggle. But we're trying to get creative as designers to see how we can <laughs> find workarounds to help people.
0: That's good. I feel like I have so much to say about this, but I don't want to make this episode super long. I do want to continue the interview, but that does make me really angry, especially because I feel like there are government officials who do partake in sex trafficking. I mean, you look at fucking Jeffrey Epstein, who's not a government official, but a billionaire and friends with a lot of government officials, and, like, how'd he get away with this bullshit for so long? So,
3: Anyway, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. We can talk about it forever.
0: Well, I <laughs> can talk about this forever, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. So... I'm curious about, like, how your perception of sex work has evolved throughout this project. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I guess I I feel like I may not have, like, understood the scope of what, like, kind of sex work ent- entails. And it's so nuanced. And a lot of our findings are around how much – it's not just people – people aren't just selling sex, but they're selling intimacy. Um, and there's such, like, an unspoken element of of how – much these people or sex workers in general are like kind of offering different forms of intimacy and connection to those who are seeking it out. And oftentimes I, in my personal opinion, I I feel like it it may be easier on the client end to be receiving or to seek out sex work um, under the guise of sex, but actually truly just seeking like human connection and intimacy that a lot of these, um, the woman that we spoke with particularly kind of, are offering. And so it's almost like a form of therapy that they're giving that they may not have realized they were signing up for, like this emotional therapy as well as not just the physical. Um, so realizing the scope of, of the work and also another f- true finding is how entrepreneurial this space is. Um, and I I do believe that based on our research that sex workers are basically small business owners um, and should be treated as such because they are running a small business and in the way that they seek out clients and, like, offer their products and services. Um, And there's a lot of resilience that's true to this work that it it may not be true to other small businesses per se. um, But there's so many kind of nuanced competencies that are required to do this well and to do this um, kind of... uh, and do the different aspects of it. Um, So
1: Yeah, I feel like sex
2: workers see more shit than like you know a small mom and pop restaurant (laughs) there's so much intuition and Mm -hmm. um this like gut instinct that you have to follow and train and learn
3: um yeah I would I would totally agree that the intimacy piece is like a huge finding for me in going into this as well just in terms of um in talking to a lot of people it's like the, the amount of skills that you have to have to do this work that are so emotional, like intangible human skills that are so broadly applicable to so many different spaces and that ability to be able to relate and adjust and adapt to different circumstances and situations. And the, the amount of resilience that comes with that is so massive and that, that those types of skills are highly valuable, should be rewarded. And- that society like it just the that and then the flip side of how the work is viewed is so stark and yeah I mean it's just very it's very jarring to see Mm -hmm. that and especially to talk to people who are like very clearly extremely intelligent intuitive human centered people can be doing so many jobs at once while also taking care of themselves potentially taking care of like their kids and maintaining this whole life um and also being emotionally available to their clients. That is, most people never have to do anything like that in their lives.
1: Yeah, I've found that, I guess, just kind of going off on, like, my personal experiences. Before I was on this podcast, or I guess back back when I had no idea about any type of sex work, even though I almost, like, very, very closely participated in sex work, what was the train of thought? Hold up! <laughs> Give me two seconds. You're an emotion- the emotionally
3: resilient bad bitch.
1: What? I think that's <laughs> what you're uh, <laughs> Okay. Okay. Wait. One thing. Is I that guess, what you were trying to get at? <laughs> okay. Wait. Wait. I think. I, I think I know what I'm trying to get at. So, I guess one thing that I learned about the podcast, and I don't want to like, you know, put down any sex workers that like we've met, but I feel like even just doing this podcast, my views on sex work has changed. I mean, obviously, I was always like yeah like do whatever you want like women making money like taking control of their bodies men too. any person like fuck yeah but I guess kind of here I realized that I feel like I had these unknown biases I was like oh like they're doing sex work like man maybe they're like down on their luck or like you know especially because this podcast started off as like students and now I know like one That's fucking wrong. Like so many of the sex workers that we've interviewed have been extremely intelligent and they do it because they want to, not because I have to do it to survive. But a lot of them legitimately enjoy what they do, which isn't a notion or isn't something that, you know, I kind of thought of. I've kind of always thought of it as like, oh, well, work is work. Like people don't really love their jobs like some do, but most of the time not, and I guess that's kind of something that I've found. So I guess what are some opinions of y'all's that have changed as you've, like, started interviewing? Because I know mine have changed a lot. I'll admit, when I started this podcast, I was not woke. <laughs> I feel more <laughs> woke now.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's a tough question to answer because I feel like, personally, the extent of people that I knew working in sex work was probably just stripping so or camming a little bit. And um, I don't know how many preconceived ideas I had or, about it, except for that I knew that the only times that I had been in those spaces, I had felt like these people look just like me. Like this woman looks just like me. She's in a really similar position to me. There's not that much different from where she is and where I am. Um, and so, in starting to talk to a lot of different people, we talked to a lot of different. Um, we talked to people of. A, many different ages and many different life circumstances. And I think that, I don't know if my preconceived ideas change as much as that my scope of understanding of how broad the industry is and how um, universal the experience is. Because we talk to people who are like, you know, um, who are just, who are students and are trying to make it through school. Totally valid, like wonderful, great. do what you gotta do. But then, you know, we also talk to people who are down on their luck and are like, you know, this is, this is gonna. This is a thing I know I can rely on, um, and just the spectrum of how many different pe- kinds of people participate in this work, and how broad it is. That I think that has opened up for me a little bit in talking to just even we've we've really only been talking to people in Austin we've, with the exception of maybe two people, mm-hmm. um, and even in that like being confined to just Austin, we've we've talked to people all across the board. Right. So it's like when you think about all across the U.S all of the women who are working in this industry. And and I keep saying women when I, because we're focusing on that demographic, not because there aren't men working in this industry, because we've actually had a lot of men reach out to us and had to turn them away, which is also interesting. Um, so, which is also an insight for me because I didn't necessarily mm-hmm. think about that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would just echo a lot of things that Leah had said. We We have spoken to, broad range of like ages and people who go into the work for all different types of reasons, some by necessity and some by choice. Um, And exploring kind of, I guess my understanding has transformed in some of like more nuanced ways Um, and how, yeah, the universal themes like within, I, I would say that a lot of universal truths come out at the margins and sex work is often pushed into the margins And so, there's been a lot of themes that are so um, true to just human nature and like gender conflict and um, like power dynamics, and a lot of that comes out in sex and sex work. Um, And so, truly, just through our conversations, I feel like um, through our conversations with the different women we spoke to, I feel like I really was getting a kind of a broader understanding of just like how human nature. Kind of is like when you're at a strip club, for example. One of the women we spoke to, she's like, in one second, I'm, I'm like working with a like or dancing on a drug dealer. Another second, I'm talking to a heart surgeon. And so there is this sense of like, this is where all walks of life enter, and I have to kind of navigate each type of person um, and try to seek out what they need and how I can provide that service. Um, and it is so emotional. So really understanding how they do that um, and how a lot of that speaks to like this greater understanding of like just truly human nature and like gender and power. Um, that's been really eye opening to me. And um, I feel really grateful for a lot of the conversations we've had.
1: Yeah, I think one really interesting thing to me, and I know we're like going super off tangent about like Yul's product. I hope that's OK. Yeah. yeah. Um, is that OK, Shelby? Yeah. OK, cool. It's your show. I, I mean, so. <laughs> honestly, I, could,
0: I just need to do so little edits on this episode already. Like, I already know. I could honestly probably just post this raw. This is great. <laughs> this is great. So so,
1: uh, I mentioned earlier, and I'm sure everybody in the podcast, like, has figured this out by now. I'm in tech, and I feel like I could assign a stereotype to tech workers right now. antisocial, wearing hoodies, some whack form of shoes, whether that range from <laughs> either Gucci shoes, because that's the only thing that they spent money on. And their entire appearance, or flip flops, Patagonia slash sandals, (laughs) Patagonia um, drinks, White Claw, jewels, (laughs) um, and every every tech bro out there knows exactly what I'm talking about. Whereas with sex workers, if I had to like assign a stereotype, I'd be completely lost because like on one hand I'd be like, well, like some you know down on their luck, practically like trafficked because of the way society just fucked them over whereas others are like just taking charge of it like I couldn't put them on a scale like I can a lot of other professions which I just find interesting I don't know that was just something I wanted to make a note of.
2: I was a tech bro once. Do I measure <laughs> <No> out way.
3: <laughs> We're like the humanitarian tech bros, right. so <laughs> currently. Bro, so. I,
2: I
1: am a real tech bro to like fit the stereotype exactly. I wear a lot of joggers and My partner is Asian.
0: There you go. Do
1: tech bros drink wine out of the
3: bottle during a (laughs) studio interview? So our listeners know
0: the way you can tell the difference between the grad students and the undergrads is the grad (laughs) students have their own cup that they're drinking out of, and us undergrads are drinking out of the bottle. (laughs) We have wine in the studio.
1: Just kind of another note that I kind of want to make, a collective opinion that Shelby and I had formed in y'all the first time we met you, and even now is we both walked out, so basically we reached out, or I was on Craigslist looking for more people to interview, and I typed sex work. No no sex workers post came up, but that's how I kind of found like these two, and I reached out, and we met at met a coffee shop, and after our meeting, Shelby and I both walked out, and we just both distinctly remember oh, my God, they smelled amazing. <laughs> hey, like, I
0: thought that's what you were going to wow. say. Yeah, like, you guys oh smell God. so good. <laughs> like, I just, I just oh. want to
1: make it known, like, they dress impeccable, and they just smell amazing. <laughs> Let's oh, get this man. on record. Yeah, yeah dear I'm listeners, my so mom. you're, like, in the
0: studio with us right now. And,
1: and that's kind of the impression that, like, I just wanted y'all to get, because I know you're hearing voices, but... They smell and look amazing. Oh, my God. Wow.
3: That's me. very funny. I don't know
2: where to put that, but put it this somewhere. This is perfect. No,
3: this
0: is
2: perfect. I'm blushing. I <laughs> you know. Y'all can't see that. I'm, um, do you I'm guys? <laughs>
0: do you guys have any, like, final thoughts or, like, while you have this platform, any people that you'd want to reach out to or, like, ways that if sex workers were interested in talking to you, they could contact you?
3: Yeah. I mean... Um so I think we really want to say that, and maybe you'd actually be better talking about this than me, but um since we're focusing since we're designers, we really want to drive home the idea that design is a a way, it's one way. There's a lot of different ways that we can tackle issues in the United States and like in this work in particular, but that design is a really concrete way that we can be going about trying to solve problems and systems. That affect real people. And that that's what we're trying to do. But I think that collectively, like the um in this time that can be kind of here and there, Solarizing. so to speak. <laughs> yes. Um, that there are little lights at the end of the tunnel that say like we can make a difference in this space, we can we can um you know, we can help people.
2: Yeah, and I guess to that point, um as we navigate like we are students and we are trying to understand how we can apply design to do better than maybe we have in the past or other companies have had in the past. So really focusing on designing for inclusion and especially with marginalized groups, how can we create space and shed light on the the experiences and stories of people who aren't necessarily put first or taken into account. And design like, is a way to kind of execute that in the real world or, or try to create space for those stories to be heard and for products or services to to serve those people. And then outside of that, I would just say like, stay up to date on, on the different bills and laws that are being passed. Um, I do, I, as I'm continuing to understand this space, I do believe the First Amendment rights of, of sex workers are being entirely challenged um, on the internet specifically. And otherwise, for that matter. But it has been very eye opening that their freedom of speech is is under attack. I believe
1: like cigarette companies, you know, like vape companies are able to literally give people health problems. But like
3: we can't advertise good pussy. (laughs) But you know who can? So this is an interesting thing. There's a loophole. Um, if you're Victoria's Secret or Playboy. That's so true. That is so true. So that was like an early thing we like got in on was like, there are things written into the code of conducts for Facebook and Instagram that allow platforms like, uh, like that who have a lot of money, basically, to be frank, to kind of get around those advertising you know. Fun
1: fact, I think either the CEO or somebody who started Victoria's Secret was really close with Jeffrey Epstein and was actually the person who made his
3: financial advising. His name is Les Wexner. I'm from Ohio. And he Les Wexner? Funds, yeah, like, yeah. All of Ohio State's, like, everything. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was actually the person
1: <laughs> who kind of gave Epstein his big breakthrough. It's true. Um, Do with that information what you will. (laughs) But
3: a last thing that I would want to say too is that if you are a sex worker and you're listening to this and you want to get in touch with Brittany and I, we totally would love to talk to you and love to include you in our research and in our project. And um, it's Austin Center for Design is where we're studying and we can um, give you guys our emails so that (coughs) you can have that posted whatever it is yeah
0: Um, yeah we'll definitely share that in the description of this episode and then we'll also put it on our social media when we share this out
1: wait Um, I had two more questions (laughs) I like I like type questions as I interview people otherwise I forget so I guess are there any products that you guys have found or like research that you think sex workers
2: should know about that are already out Mm. there was a platform called Twitter which was like um it's I might be wrong. I think it's we like, we just found we out we learned about, about this this, this morning. Oh okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not exactly sure the state of it right now because I've seen the site up and down. Um, but it does seem to be like an exclusive space for for sex workers and potentially clients as well to connect and communicate
3: um there's also for strippers in particular there's dancers resource um they have an instagram account an app and i think a website as well and so that's a space for them to exchange like information about clubs yeah um in particular so
2: and then there's one more podcast not to compete with y'all <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> but uh, actually El El stranger is her name she um is I think her website's called stripperwriter.com, and she has a podcast called Strange Bedfellows. But she does a lot of um, storytelling around different, um, just like topics that people are are facing, and she has a really cool perspective. I would I would definitely plug that. We follow her on Instagram. Cool. <laughs> tight.
3: tight, tight, tight.
2: So
1: it's twenty twenty. So you know women help each other instead of competing with each other yeah hell yeah <laughs> um another one's just kind of like a fun personality question so sure. after what you guys have learned what type of sex work would y'all want to participate if you Ooh. had to participate in Ooh. a form that's of a great, that's a fun work. one yeah. a fun,
3: i love that question
2: i feel like camming opens the door to a lot of uh, creativity with okay. like how you did. I'm like, well, I always been interested in film. <laughs>
3: and I love Instagram. Right.
2: <laughs> I think there's like an opportunity to get
3: really fun and creative with that. So that. I, I would definitely want to be a stripper because I want to be jacked. Like, okay, strippers oh, yeah.
1: are like so fucking jacked. Yeah. Has every stripper that you've interviewed just been like total bad bitch i mean
3: everyone has been
1: like, like literally every yeah. sex worker we've ever had on the show i am like
2: dominate me like i'm obsessed with you <laughs> well i love the like um the role of music and because oh, we've, yeah. we've definitely heard like some clubs that allow you to pick your own music and some that don't and i could imagine like that oh, would change everything for it me. would change everything <laughs> <laughs> absolutely
1: shelby what about you i'd be a stripper
0: because i like being the center of attention
1: I I awesome. definitely that surprises me because hear me out I want to beat the shit out of men oh, Dominatrix. I, I, I was
0: actually I would love to be a dominatrix we as go. well I could
1: be both what are you talking
0: about The fun thing is you can do it all You can do it all exactly. You can you can literally do it all <laughs> All right, well, if you guys have any questions or if there's anything you've heard that you want to comment on, you can email us at at Um If you want to get in touch with Brittany and Leah, you can also email us there or you can email them. Again, we'll put that in the description of this episode or we'll um, include it in their social media posts about this episode. It's yeah. poppyforum at gmail.com.
2: Let's do that. Yeah, let's use so, that one. All right,
1: so you can contact – or actually, Shelby, you say it.
0: Yeah, so you can contact Brittany and Leah at poppyforum at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at Candygirl Podcast or on Twitter at Candy Girl Pod. Leah, Brittany, thank you so much for coming and talking to us. Coincidentally on International Sex Workers' Rights Day, which like was not planned Isn't at it? all. It today is oh international yeah. I
2: was gonna show you. Shut up. Yeah,
0: yeah. I forgot about that. There's an event going on tonight that we're gonna go to <gasps> in we celebration. Yeah, you guys should totally come. It starts at ten, but you should come anyways. Hell yeah! <laughs> we'll probably be drunk as we show up, <laughs> and we'll hear from you guys next Friday.